Uh, hey guys, it's Brutes. You're probably wondering why I'm talking to you before the episode without the intro. Um, just wanted to touch base with you guys about something here pretty quickly. Uh, we recorded this week's episode on Tuesday night, so there is no mention of it in the episode. But uh, on Wednesday morning, uh, the hockey world lost a pretty prominent and well-respected writer. Jason Botchford passed away at the age of uh, 48. Botch is a, uh, was a writer for The Athletic, for The Province, uh, as well as uh, well-known for his appearances on TSN, as well as Puck Talks Live. I mean, you know, he's a big-name hockey writer, and, um, you know, it, it came pretty suddenly, for sure. Um, a guy who was just full of life, and, and I, I think the way that we remember Jason is, is because, you know, he was really a unique sort of journalist in the sense that, um, he was a true professional, you know, he, he was unbelievable at his job, very well spoken, but at the same time, you know, he was also very emotional and, and, you know, at, at heart, he was a Canucks fan, it seemed like, and, and was sort of the voice for the fans from the media's perspective, I think. And I, I think that that is something that, um, you know, was so valuable about Jason Clearly, you know, it's obviously a big loss for the hockey community. Um, so I wanted to take a moment here to address it, but also to, to mention something to you as well, is that not just to keep Jason in your thoughts and his family in your thoughts, um, but also if you're not really familiar with Jason, The Athletic has permanently unlocked all of his articles from the past year. Um, so normally The Athletic's behind a paywall. It's a subscription service. But Jason's stuff from the last year won't be. So you can go over to The Athletic right now, read some of his pieces. I would definitely recommend it if you don't know anything about Jason, if you've never read his work. And I would especially recommend it if you're a fan of the Vancouver Canucks. It's a big loss for the hockey community. Jason was really, really well respected. It's um, it's a pretty shocking day, to be quite honest with you. Uh, so I wanted to take this time on behalf of Laced Up and James and myself to, uh, to to give our condolences to Jason Botchford's family and uh, obviously uh, you know to dedicate this episode in his memory it's uh, it's a tough day but uh, Jason would want us to move on for sure because uh, there was one thing you know he was uh, he was for the fans for the people and uh, and obviously we're the fans so uh, um, God bless you Jason and uh, and your family for sure Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Gathered in by Atkinson. Duchesne side of the net as it's given on back to Jones. Then across, Panarin safe. Rebound, score! Out of the net, mouth scramble. It's Duchesne. And the Blue Jackets have tied the series, winning in double overtime. A power play goal for the Blue Jackets has evened the series up, going back to Nationwide Arena. After a two-day rest for both of these teams.
May 1st, 2019. I'm uh, James Cole with Puck 77. I am Brutes Vitaglia of Puck 77. I, um, I, I, I like how you couldn't even get through the first sentence without throwing an um in there. For, uh, May? Happy May, everybody. Yeah, happy May, man. So, um, I mean, like, you're on Twitter. You've been on the internet. You've talked to people. Um, like, uh, I'm out of the loop. Because, I mean, I'm in the loop, but I don't know what the hell the loop means. Because I, uh, I'm on Twitter and I don't watch Game of Thrones. And I, I don't even know who the Avengers are. I couldn't even name them. You could give me an Avengers. You should give me an Avengers quiz because I'll fucking, I'll be horrible. Like I have no idea. I haven't seen any of this shit. So like, but this is more up your alley, right? So like, you're you're a throne. You're a thronesy. Yeah, I, I. But you're not caught up, or what? Well, that's the thing. It's weird. Okay. I, I, it's, I, is it weird? I missed. You either watched or you don't, bro. Well, that's the thing. I missed the season. And then I've been at two... Miss a season! I did. How do you miss a whole season? Because I, I fell behind and I wasn't, like, that closely entangled with it. But then they took, like, a half a year off. And then they came back. And I've somehow seen the last, like, the most two recent episodes. Half a year? Wasn't it, like, two and a half years or something like that? Was, like honestly, that? honestly I, don't I, I don't know. But I watched the episode from a couple days ago, yes. Okay. that's what you're asking. And so, was it as good as, as people say it is? Because, like, I've heard mixed reviews. and But it's it's both ends of the spectrum. Like, I haven't heard anyone say it was, like, average. Like, either a lot of people say it was, like, one of the weaker Game of Thrones episodes ever. Or I've heard people say it's the best episode of television in history, which I don't... I can't see that being true. But... I'll say this much: there, there's no way in hell it is the worst Game of Thrones uh, episode ever. I don't know if I heard it was the worst, but a lot of people said it was like not peak Thrones, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah, it was the longest in the uh, series history. Ooh, goody! Uh, it is now the longest uh, battle sequence shown in film or television. So, like, longer than like any of the Lord of the Rings battle stuff that went on. What is the whole episode just a battle then? Pretty much. It's like the culminating battle of this yeah. entire franchise, basically. You know, people were doing a really good job of winning me over on this show, and then, like, the more I learn, I think the less and less I'm interested now. I don't know, like, it's just, it sounds more action-y than I thought. I had no idea that there were, like, zombies and shit in this show, so I'm, pr- I'm pretty fucking, I'm out. I'm out for sure. The first couple of seasons I found were really political. As opposed to like action, but it's getting to that point. Yeah, like the politics only take you me. so far, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. You never know. I mean, it, it, like enough people think it's a good enough show. I'm sure it's a good show. It's got great acting. It's I got, think I'm out. Like, I, okay. Great directing. It's so, got. So on that on that point, okay. Well, I don't know about that because I've only seen a small sample size. But what I have, okay, I watched 20 minutes of last week's episode. Right, it was just on. Sure. I'm like, you know what? I've never actually watched it. I don't even want to know what's going on. I just want to see it so I know like cinematography, directing, all this shit. So I put it on. Peter Dinklage is fantastic, by the way, and oh, I've yeah. always known that. But like, you know, it's still it's still clearly the best role of his career. But I'm watching it, and I'm like, you know, this is this is pretty good. He's doing a pretty good job. Um, that was it for me, though. I, 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 the directing was all right. The acting was pretty solid, for sure. I don't know. It looked, it was above average, for sure. I don't know. Didn't blow me away. But yeah. maybe that's, maybe it was the yeah. wrong 20 minutes to watch, too. I don't know. Yeah, it's you never know. small sample size. It's 20 minutes, sure, right. So. so, and, uh, that was last week. So not the greatest, uh, episode of TV in history, no. or in the, the longest battle scene. Yes. Speaking of being long, have you seen the new Avengers movie? I'm going Friday night. Ooh, yeah. shit. Yeah. 
All right. We had to wait for a, a certain Meg Wochi to return from Cuba. So, uh, well, yeah. I'm all caught up in that. I know everything okay. that's going on. I know the whole cool know, ins and outs. Sure. So this is where I'll say the this: Green much. Goblin and Thanos battle to the death. Finally, yes. um, Batman and yeah. Um, I'll say this: I, much. I'm into Batman. I could get into Batman. <laughs> He's not an Avenger, yeah. as far as I know. As far as like different multi- cinematic universe, I think true. Yeah. As far as multi-movie intertwining of, like, storylines and stuff like that, they've done a great job. I gotta give them that. Like, I, I know... You know what you're getting out of a Sec- superhero. Second best only to Split, Unbreakable, and Glass. Sure, or... yeah. It's, it's definitely up there. <laughs> but, like, you know what you're getting out of a superhero movie. Like, everyone knows. Like, you're gonna go, you're gonna see the superhero, he's gonna do his thing, he's gonna save the person, he's gonna, you know, find his inner self. So... In that regard, it's like watching the same, you know, plot 22 times, which is fine if you like that plot, lot, you know, design. But plot the line. way that they've just kind of intertwined all of these characters and found a way to, like, get all these, like, big-name actors, you know, for mm-hmm. the most part, to continue and buy into this whole thing, it's been really impressive. So I'm, I'm, I'll say this much, I'm glad it's over. I'm getting a little tired of it. Sure. I gotta see it through. Me too. one more movie to go, so... Yeah, it's gonna be great when they just remake all the fucking movies now. Um, I, I did see... I saw Thor. That's the same cinematic universe, right? Uh, yes. I saw Thor and Thor Ragnarok. I was a big fan of Ragnarok. thought it was fantastic. Great. Is Black Panther in that cinematic universe, uh, or yes. different? Yeah. I liked Black Panther. Aside from that, I, I, I might have seen Infinity War. I don't I don't know. Okay. I, I don't really remember. I didn't go see it. I know that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's not really my cup of tea. But going back to the Game of Thrones thing, which I thought was kind of hilarious on Sunday night. So I don't watch Game of Thrones, as I mentioned. But what I do watch is Barry and Veep, which are the two shows that follow Game of Thrones on Sunday nights. And I watch Billions, but whatever. We'll get into that another time. So I watch Barry right after Game of Thrones ends. And I watch it, and I'm on Twitter, and I'm kind of scrolling through, but I'm mostly watching Barry, and you know, everyone's freaking out about Game of Thrones, and it's entertaining, you know, I'm happy, I'm happy all my friends are having a good time watching TV, I guess. I don't know. There's maybe cooler things, but it's still, it's nice to see people happy, I guess. So, I'm I'm watching Barry, and I gotta tell you, man, the episode ended, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, that may have been the greatest half hour of television I have ever seen. But here's the problem. I can't tweet it. Everyone's tweeting about Game of Thrones. I can't just be like, um, actually, Barry was the greatest acting performance in 30 minutes well, I've ever seen. Because I'm, I'm just that idiot. You I'm like the contrarian in that sense. Like, you gotta stand what you believe in. It almost seems like I'm doing it, though, just to say, fuck you, Game of Thrones people. Because, like, they're all riding their high. I had to just shut up and eat it. But and I have a podcast, so I can talk about it at least. Mm, yeah, that's your outlet. So if, if you don't watch Barry, you should watch Barry, because my god, is it great. You know what it reminded me of? I don't know how far of uh, Breaking Bad you got. How far are you? <laughs> I have advanced no further. You got further. Eight, eight episodes left? But I always forget yeah. how far you got. Yeah, it's... You got eight, that seven. second half of the season yeah. left, right? So the third last episode is like the craziest 50 minutes, like... I'm just going to say it. I think in the history of television. Like, it's fucking crazy, man. And uh, Barry, like, I don't know, man. Like, it was only 30 minutes. It it packed a lot of shit into there. It was great. I mean, 
Yeah. You got to get into the show, man. I guess like so. it. It's easy to catch up on, too, because there's like, I think, 11 episodes of it now. Nice. And they're 30 minutes long. Okay. And it's like only in its second season and shit's hitting the fan. It's it's awesome. It's great. It's fantastic. I've seen some commercials. It looks interesting. Yeah. Bill Hader's amazing. Yeah. Uh, who would have thought that he's as good a director as he is a writer as he is an actor? Did not know he directed. Yeah, it's all him, man. That series is basically all him. Him and Alec Berg, ironically, the guy the guy from Seinfeld. Oh. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's not like a comedy. It's like there's comedic aspects. Yeah, so here's the cool thing about it, right? Is like it's it's a it's a it's a dark comedy. It's not funny the whole episode, but when it's funny, it's ab- absolutely fucking hilarious. Like it's not a it's not a dull laugh here or there kind of, you know what I mean, comedy because it's so dark. Like, no, when it's funny, it's absolutely hilarious. But it's only funny a few times an episode. It's mostly just, like, mm. a well-done drama series that's fucking hilarious at the same time. Gotcha. It's great. Yeah. Well, that's ten minutes on television. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Have you seen anything else recently? You go to a movie nah. or nothing? Nothing, eh? Nah. You been watching the playoffs? much as I can. I know what you did watch was uh, you went to some Talos Cup games. I did do that, yes. What, uh, what did you think? It was a good uh, good experience here for uh, the city of Thunder Bay, I thought. I thought it was a good time. Yeah, I, I wish I could have got to more games. Yeah. Um, yeah, I lucked out in that regard. Yeah. I guess I guess I haven't mentioned because uh, the last time we recorded, uh, it was just after the Talos had started. But um, yeah, I ended up going to six or seven games, I guess. And uh, I got free tickets through work, so that was kind of a nice uh, plus. Made things a little bit easier for me there, you know? Yeah. Just, uh, you know, go whenever you you can go kind of thing. I definitely took advantage of that uh, opportunity as well. Yeah, it was but, good. Uh, it was great. Um, really solid hockey. Um, you know, obviously it's a national event, and I don't know if it's as well known as, as it maybe it could be, but... You know, it's it's getting national coverage. You know, TSN's there uh, with the gold medal game. Anybody and, around that age of hockey knows what it is. I for would sure, imagine. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, fantastic. We, we went to the final game there and uh, uh, saw two teams. Uh, you know, lay it all on the line. Crazy, a close game. Yeah, Crazy. definitely a couple tight goaltending performances, and I was I was impressed. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for those of you who didn't get a chance to check it out, the Toronto Young Nationals defeated the <clears throat> the uh, Cantonier de Magog in uh, in double overtime. You notice, like, like in the arena, they always referred to them as Magdog Quebec. Magdog? Yeah. Is that the, that's what they said? Yeah. Oh God, that's you're adding a letter. It's not even in there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I and the fun thing was too is like I watched the the rebroadcast on uh, TSN later that night, and it was Sam something or other was with uh, Jamie McLennan. Yeah, you know, it Noodles. doesn't it doesn't matter because no one listening is going to know who the other guy is that I'm talking about. Like, I'm sorry, he he did a great job, but no one's going to know. But Jamie McLennan was here, which is fucking pretty cool. But every single time uh, they would like Magog would touch the puck, that Sam dude that was doing the play by play would call them the Cantonier, and he would say it every time. And I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. I don't know how to how to talk French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. What do you think the Cantonier is? Wow, um... that. The canteen? <laughs> no. Like the concession? No, that's probably something right weird. You know how, like, French is either really close or way off? It's probably way off. It's like the the waterfalls or something. I think it'd be fun if it was the canteen. 
I'm gonna look it up. And their goal song is the "Let's all go to the lobby." Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Get ourselves some snacks. Why wouldn't it be like the Cantina Band from Star Wars? Ooh, shit. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Decent canteens at the at the Fort William Gardens. Not the best, but they're okay. Yeah. I had a smoky. I had myself a poutine. Wasn't very good. The smoky was all right, though. You know? The What's... Menders. The Magog Menders. Hmm. Yeah. If something's broken. Maybe that's like one of them like half translations, though. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's like... Two more translations. Maybe it's more of like a menacing term in French. The Roadmen or the Trackmen are, are also... See, separate. I'd rather be the Roadmen or the Trackmen than the Menders, I think. I don't know, but like, if you if you, if you were to say it in English, though, the Magog Menders... It flows. It's got a nice ring. Yeah. It just doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. You know? Huh. It's like the, like the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. True. Just the color it's of just your... just the Brown family. the color of your... Helmet, or yeah, whatever. they're just named yeah. after the guy from Family Guy. Uh, but yeah, it was a good tournament. I had a really, really good time. Um, you know what? And I, I said it multiple times. Like, I could watch that level of hockey all day, every day. Like, if if you could just sit me in a fucking rink and somehow my bills got paid and I could just sit there and watch that hockey, man, I would do that forever because I w- it was a lot of fun. I had a really good time watching it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So good for the city of Thunder Bay. It was nice. Uh, you know, not 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 my. Not my estimated turnout, I thought, for the finals, but I didn't really think we did an amazing job in Thunder Bay advertising it either, and, you know, it wasn't cheap either, which was another thing. Like, it it would have been nice to make it a little bit more accessible to people, but you got to pay the bills, too. It was unfortunate that the local team didn't perform better, too. I think that kind of hurt. Yeah, I mean... To a certain degree. Yeah, uh, they did a good job. Like, I'll give them them a lot of credit, because... uh, you know, I thought they were going to get blown out of the rink against Toronto on uh, on Wednesday night. They held their own. They almost beat them. In fact, I thought they should have won uh, that game. And that, that that is the team that went on to win the tournament. Um, they hung around with Magog on Friday night. It was a 3 nothing final, I think, with an empty net or two. So it wasn't too, too bad. Um, yeah, but you're right. Like, if they were there, even just Saturday, it probably would have got additional people in the rink who would have had the itch yeah. to go Sunday, even if Thunder Bay had not been there. But uh, it was a good showing. Well, if anyway. you make Saturday, you make Sunday. So, well, true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, it's too bad, but uh, you know, no uh, no ill will toward the Kings because uh, they were playing some really really good hockey teams there. They they did their best, didn't work out. Yeah. Well, I mean, like they they won their their region. They beat the team that ended up winning bronze. You know, and then that team that won bronze, Tisdale, they were. Uh, they were only there because Thunder Bay was the host. So any if it was located anywhere else, Tisdale doesn't make that tournament, right? So it's sure. kind of bittersweet in that regard that you couldn't you couldn't have done better at least in in the big picture there. And but you know, I had yeah. a good time. So yeah. So uh, keeping in the theme of the episode so far, in in avoiding uh, talking about directly about the NHL, um, I was going to ask you: the Blue Jays are doing really well. Well. They're not in last. <laughs> well, like, 14-14 and 14 for a team that has literally no hitter on their roster that is above the on-base percentage average of the major leagues, that's pretty good. Like, that's actually pretty impressive to, to have won any games. <laughs> the fucking Baltimore Orioles have guys who get on base more than the fucking Blue Jays, like, on a career average, anyway. Uh, that's fair, yeah. Yeah. 
It's been a good pitching performance by the Blue Jays. Yeah. It's been a lot of good pitching. Yeah. They've been they've been doing doing pretty good there, holding their own. What do you think about Charlie Montoyo? Is he your boy? Uh, he's okay. It's it's nice to see a change from Gibby because I think it, I think oh, we were he's, getting he is a complete 180 from Gibby. Yeah. Like I I I'm not saying they wouldn't get along, but like it's not like you replace Gibby with another Gibby. <laughs> like this is a this is something else. Yeah. 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 No, he's he's okay. I I haven't watched enough of them this year. Like that's what 28 games in. I've I've seen maybe 10. So. I'm trying to get a feel for this team still, and now that they're actually not in like you know last place or where everyone thought they would be, it's it's worth more to see them. I'll 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 say this. I'll I'll, I'll give you a little hint here because I can't say too much at this point. But uh, I'll be seeing our friends the Blue Jays uh, in the not too distant future. So yeah, TFTI. Yeah. So you've gotten to see? Have you gotten to watch Vladimir yet? Ooh, I don't think I have. You haven't sat down and watched Vladdy cut some got, air with the with that bat, eh? He got called up. Friday. He can swing that I bat. I was working. He played Saturday. I was working both jobs, and Sunday was an afternoon game, and I went to the Telus Cup. So. Yeah, he yeah. swings the bat the way I swing like a t-ball bat. Like he that just that bat just fucking cuts like an axe, man. Yeah, he's got a big rear end too. Yeah, he's thick. Yeah, two C's for sure. Yeah, yeah, and he's not. He's not a skinny boy. Georgia Peaches. Yeah, he's no Craig Biggio, that's for no, sure. He's He's got some not. poundage on him. Yeah, yeah so I was going to ask you while we're on the topic of Charlie Montoyo, um, because, you know, it just seems fitting, which, um, which Toronto sports figure is going to end up replacing Mike Babcock as the coach, inevitably? Do you think it's John Gibbons? <laughs> I hope not. Fuck it, let's just keep the city happy. Bring in some more beloved. How beloved. many more? How many more years of basketball has Vince Carter gotten him? Ooh, not well. I mean, I should say not many, but I would have said not many in like 2012. Cause he's what, like 40, 40 something. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta look it up. Our first Google of the podcast. Second. What did I Google? I Google. Oh, you googled the Cantonier. Yeah. So this is my first Google. Uh, he's 42. That's wild. Still plays a lot of minutes too. Yeah. <laughs> Like I remember, there was talk about the Raptors picking up the deadline. He like to that degree where he could maybe contribute, but they didn't do it. Obviously, yeah. Like you know, what I mean, it was discussed from what I heard. Yeah, so. no, and he like yeah, he would he would come in off the bench. I mean, obviously, the Raptors have a better bench um, than than most teams, specifically the Atlanta Hawks. But uh, I mean, well, I, I say that, but like. Their bench was fucking horrendous in Game Three. Did you? Uh, yeah, let's just talk about every other sport. Did you? Did you watch the the Raptors or Game Two rather? I mean, uh, I watched uh, the one they won. What was that game? It was Game One. Game One. Yeah, I watched. I watched that. I didn't, I didn't see the most recent one. I, I heard they lost. I don't know. Is it a tied series then? One one. Uh, at at the time we record the podcast, it is a, a tied one one series. I yes. See. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, they played like horse shit. So that should, that should be good going into Game Three. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of hoping maybe, like, Cito Gaston ends up coaching the Leafs. Like, just kind of gets in there, his nice, calming presence. Cliff Fletcher. Who's going to be, well, yeah. That'd be kind of funny. I'd rather Cito Gaston, I think, though. I think Cito's got that calming presence. You know, no one's going to, like, question Cito. Cito will be like, yeah, you know what? We're calling up uh, fucking Mason Marchment from the Miners because I like his, his tenacity. And everyone will be like, all right, well, Cito knows. Yeah. You know, he doesn't even like know a single thing about hockey, 
making these wild plays on the power play and stuff. And mm-hmm. They just go with it. No yeah. questions asked. The good news is if Cito Gaston were to be the Leafs head coach, they'd probably bring in to be like, uh, they'd probably bring in like Brian Tallett to be their fucking strength and conditioning coach. Nice. This kind of alludes us back to the uh, podcast episode where we talked about uh, different guys uh, calling different sports. Uh, you'd have to bring Buck Martinez along. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He could be. Oh, you know what? He he could be the new in-house announcer. Because I don't know who the new guy is at Scotiabank, but he's not my favorite. And then Buck could just introduce the starting lineups, and that'd pretty much be it. Toronto Maple Leaf penalty to number eleven Zach Hyman at two minutes for hooking. <laughs> time not- of the time of the penalty. He's been hooking with a hot stick lately. That's Zach Hyman's third penalty of the game. He's kind of like Harry Carey. (laughs) 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 Hey, you ever notice that, Buck Martinez? You ever notice this? You ever notice how Buck Martinez kind of got a Harry Carey style to him? There's something there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a simple question, Doctor. Would you eat the moon if it was made out of ribs? What else can we talk about? Golf? No. <laughs> um, at the time we record the podcast, the um, <laughs> the, the uh, NHL's Colorado Avalanche are playing the NHL's San Jose Sharks. Uh, it is a 2-1 to one score while we're talking right now, I believe, after 2. Yes, it looks sir. like everyone's skating off the ice, so it's either an intermission or, or the ice is melting. Um, I guess maybe a bomb threat. Maybe they'd skate them off the ice, too. So... Um, this has been a kind of an interesting series. Colorado's still really, really looking good. Like, they won game two. They, they seem to outplay San Jose. It's been kind of a coin flip series, which is, like, kind of remarkable, because San Jose has a remarkable amount of depth compared to Colorado. No offense to Colorado, because they're still a good team. But mm. Yeah. San Jose is just scary, like through their lineup other than sort of in net, but, like, even Martin Jones not has scared. been okay. Not scared. What do you mean you're not scared? Not scared. Sharks don't scare me. The Stars don't scare sharks, you? Sharks don't scare me. Well, they shouldn't. Well, I mean, they, they should, like, uh, but only if you're swimming in the water with them. Like, there's you have no reason... <laughs> you have no reason to be scared personally of the San Jose Sharks. I'm just saying, like, they're really good, is Are all they? I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. I'd rather have most of, like, almost anyone in San Jose's lineup other than, like, McKinnon and Rantanen and Landis Cog and Barry and Makar and, well, I guess I'll just name their whole team. Karlamov. But, yeah, I'd rather... uh, No, I'd rather have Jones. Really? Yeah. Okay, no thoughts on the series. All right. Well, I don't know. I think it's. Oh, I, I think it's I, been I, good. All right. Like I think. Uh, I still think San Jose comes out on top, but I mean, we didn't do a, a, a predictions at the start of the round. But like the good thing with all of these series is it's kind of like well, we could still do predictions now, and they may just as well go wrong as they did in round one. Uh, I'm still taking the Sharks in the series. I think Sharks in six because I still think Colorado's got a bit more to give. But I think at the end of the day, the Sharks are just too, too good. And, uh, you know, I'll go with the old hockey, the old hockey cliche that the Sharks wanted more. They're hungrier. Hungry the Sharks good, in the water. The good, the good. <laughs> How many's left? Only this. Oh, for sake. And with the dining room full of hungry Sharks, the kitchen is at a complete standstill. If you run out now, I'm going to flip my lid. Victor. I, I, I like the abs in six. 
The Avs, eh? Yeah. Okay. I do. So, I mean, well, I mean, like, this is hilarious because it might be over by the time we're done the podcast, but who do you think wins this game? Because San Jose was up 2-0, uh, Avalanche just scored shortly before the intermission. I didn't really see the goal. The Sharks look like, uh, the Sharks were up 2-0, but they don't look like a team that you know should have been up by 2-0. The Avalanche have been all over them from what I've been watching so far. Well, you missed the first period. Sure. Second period, yeah, Colorado was no, good. I can only, first I can only was, comment on what I've seen yeah. out there, Brutes. Well, so. <laughs> maybe this is why like we're so differing. Like I watched the first period, and I didn't really see the second, whereas you saw the second. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was shocked San Jose didn't go up like four or five, nothing in the first period. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, so you think Avs in six, you think there's some pushback here? Yeah. I, you, who I do you like think them. wins tonight? I, I think the Avs come back and Someone's win. Someone's got to be wrong. They okay. got home ice, they look sharp, they're, they're firing all gears from what I've seen so far. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think the Sharks will win tonight, and I think, uh, Avs win game four, and the Sharks win the next two, and that's it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The other series in the West, the Dallas Stars uh, of the NHL, and the St. Louis. Because we got to specify, and this is a, uh, this is a hockey podcast, not an NHL podcast. Uh, the St. Louis Blues of the NHL are also playing the Dallas Stars of the NHL. Um, the Blues won last night, four to three. Yes, sir. To take a two to one series lead. This has been a fun series. I've really enjoyed it. This is the series I've seen the most of in the second round, and I'm not really sure why. But it does intrigue me much more than any of the other three, I think. Like, just the matchup. I think these are just two fairly evenly matched teams. Um, more so than San Jose and Colorado. Because, again, like, I just... I think at the end of the day, San Jose's depth shows up. But I think Dallas and, and St. Louis, like, I think they're... They, they hate each other. Uh, and we'll get a little bit more into that in a second here. But uh, what has your thought been in the, in the series? It's been a tight one. Um, I mean, this is... Save for uh, an empty netter in game two, this has been three one goal games. The game last or two nights ago, uh, you know, came down to like what was it, the last minute fifteen or something like that. The the winning goal was scored there by Maroon. So oh yeah, and, and like I don't know if you watched it. Did you watch it? No. Yeah that that came down to the last second. Like Dallas had pressure with like three seconds left, and I'm like they mm. still might tie it, kind of thing. Like it was, it was a really close. It was a really good game. St. Louis deserved to win it, I thought, but, um, but yeah, it was close. Like Dallas just kept they wouldn't go away, and that's one thing I like about both these teams is neither of them seem to go away. Uh, so that's what's going to make it such an interesting series, I think, moving forward. I think this goes seven for sure. And I think uh, they're going to be pretty much all one-goal games. Like, yeah. I think this is just going to keep going. I don't think... Like, I just don't see a way in this series any of the two teams is going to get uh, enough inches to fucking break free and, and, and blow the game wide open. Yeah, it's it would take a, it would take a lot. Um, these are two teams that you alluded to how close uh, closely knit they are, uh, you know, in, in skill. Uh, the, both teams' goaltenders are, you know, uh, playing some of the best hockey of their careers, uh, albeit one uh, career is uh, much shorter than the other. So, kind of goes without saying, I suppose. But I don't know. I I, th- I think that the I'll be honest with you. I think the winner of this series is going to the finals. I I, I think this is this is an early kind of preview of of whichever team can get out of this round. I think is going to you know really. You know, just have that momentum and that, that maybe that mental, you know, thought process that you know we're, we're here now, we're one step away. I think the West is a little more wide open than the East. 
I think I like I, I don't disagree with you that whichever holy fuck that was the goal. <laughs> um yeah, no like uh, I I I oh, you know, if I <laughs> I'm trying to talk here and the, we got the TV on mute. We just look up the TV and Brian Burke's just staring at you all pissed off. Uh, you know, I think Colorado's got to have a little bit more pushback in the third period here. they got to be a little more truck on Fucking Someone's got to take out Brent Burns' legs for injuring Matt Culver, you know? I think, uh, but but yeah, going back to Dallas and St. Louis, I think, like, I, I, I like either of them to go to the finals, but I could say the same thing Colorado and St. Louis, like, or, or sorry, Colorado and San Jose. Like, I am taking San Jose to win. I still won't be shocked if Colorado wins that series. And I honestly wouldn't be shocked if Colorado goes on a run here. Like, as much as I'm saying I don't love their depth, their depth has gotten them to where they are. And they really aren't backing down. Like, San Jose is just... It's not that Colorado's back down. It's just San Jose is fundamentally, I think, a better hockey team. And that's why they dominated the first period and a half of this hockey game tonight, right? But, like, Colorado, you're right. Like, Colorado might come out in the third and win. And uh, it's the same sort of thing for Dallas and St. Louis. Like, one of these teams might get hot and win, this, win out the rest of the series and get to the finals, but I could say the same for St. Louis, Colorado, or San Jose, San Jose and Colorado. Like, I like both those teams in either of the series in the West. I think the West is wide open. I think it's a really, really big opportunity for all four of these teams this year, because uh, uh, it's not that the path is is easy, but they're all fairly equal hockey teams. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's where I stand. Yeah. So... Uh, while we're on the topic of the St. Louis series, you had a chance to see the Essa Lindell um, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Against our like uh, a, against good Thunder Bay boy Robert Bertuzzo. Like a fish out of water. Yeah. How how dare you, Essa Lindell? How dare you make our, our beautiful, beautiful Thunder Bay boy Robert Bertuzzo look like an idiot? How dare you? You are uh, you are a, a diving champion. Nice. Finns haven't had one of those in a while. Yeah, I guess he's Finnish. I always think he's Swedish. Um, what 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 were your thoughts on all of it? I guess because there's a lot to unpack there. Well, maybe I'm not thinking as as broadly as you are because I, I I saw it pretty one dimensional. Uh, I don't really know what he was trying to like get away with by doing what he was doing. It was kind of like. You know, game thirty three in the middle of you know December, whatever. Sure, you you maybe you're trying to get away with something, or you're trying to you know get your get your team a power play. Or, you know, it's it's a meaningless throwaway game, and you're on the road, and you just want to get back to your hotel room and soak in your ice bath or take a sauna or whatever the Finns do. But in the playoffs, like I just don't understand what you're. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you what do you mean? Whatever the Finns do. What do the Finns do? Are you are you familiar with their contributions to uh, saunas as a as a major thing in, in in the world? Like I'm I'm well aware. I just don't know if that's every Finn. I I, I don't stereotype. You know, I, I'm not sitting here saying that every Canadian eats poutine for dinner. You know where they have really good poutine is the Burger Barn, mm. Prospector Burger Barn, mm. proud sponsor of this week's pot. No, I'm just kidding. I wish. Yeah, that'd be sick. Fired up. My God, I, I, I would, I would read as many ads as they want to get like four free poutines from the Prospector Burger Barn. I'm down. Like that is, and I'm not, I'm not even just saying this because I want them to sponsor us. 
although that would be nice. They have legitimately, I think, the best poutine I've ever had in my life. Confirm or deny? Agree or disagree? I've never had the poutine there. Oh my goodness. And that's fair. Because, like, when you go to the burger barn, you're thinking burgers. And what's amazing to me is, like, even their soup is good. Like, everything there is good. But uh, you you got to try this poutine, man, I'm telling you. Because it was like uh, me and, and former guests of the podcast, Kyle Hogan, uh, would go there for our break because we work close to there. And, uh, well, so do you. I guess at both your jobs. And, uh, yeah. And we went there and I had it a few times. And, like, uh, you know, it's it's really good. I'll have to take a word for it. I'm not a huge poutine guy, but I'll, I'll, I'll give her a go sometime. See, and that's what my buddy said. We were there the other day, too, and he said that, and I, I made him try it, and he, he thought it was pretty good. Like, I, I'm not I'm not a huge... I'm not a poutine connoisseur, but it's uh, it's it's the best I've ever had, for sure. I'm, I love that poutine. I could eat that fucking poutine all day. Poutine. Giddy up. Yeah. Um, Sorry, S. Lindell. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just don't. I like it's, it's the playoffs. You're in the second round of the playoffs. Like I, I just don't understand what, like mentally, you th- you think you're accomplishing by doing that. Like you're not, you're not getting a penalty drawn against you in the best of cases. Never mind the playoffs where the you know the calls are so much more strict. So like again, I, I just I remember like watching it happen and thinking i like i I was i was just confused i was like bottom line i was just confused like what what does this guy possibly think he's accomplishing yeah um so when i watched the game and you know it was sort of unclear at least on the broadcast that i was watching um but it seemed like lindell lindell got the unsportsmanlike for the third dive which is like a ridiculous sentence and not so much the second one where bertuzzo got the initial penalty so, at least because I, I don't know this, and anyone listening, correct me if you do know the answer, but it seems like until Lindell dove the third time that Bertuzzo was going and that was it. Like, that's a fucking playoff call to me. Because, like, there was no doubt it was a dive on that second one. The first one, I'll give Lindell that. If you fall awkwardly, maybe you were losing an edge as it is, he cross-checks you, you fall forward. Okay, whatever. But no one got a penalty on that one. And then Lindell gets back up, Bertuzzo cross-checks him again, Lindell flops like a freaking starfish again. Then the hand goes up. So Bertuzzo got a penalty for that second cross-check, and Lindell completely dove on it, and Lindell was going to get away with it for a minute. Well, how do we know that? How do we know what the hand went up for? You you whistle the play dead if it's a four-on-four. If there's coincidentals, it, it just dies. The play didn't die. Sure, who had the puck? Uh, well, it's... Scrum in the corner. Either way, though, the, the play should have blown dead regardless, but, you know, because, like, the puck wasn't moving anyway. See, like, I, I, I can only speak to what I saw on the, on the highlights, and I wasn't watching the whole game, but from from what I saw, it seemed like the second cross-check with the dive, that's when the whistle was blown. No, and then, it wasn't. Because, like, the, the third one was after the whistle. Yeah. Yeah, the play went on for a few more seconds after that, and then the play oh. got blown dead. Um, yeah, and, and it was, so that's what the broadcast that I was watching, that's kind of how they explained it. That's how I understood it anyway, is it looked like Bertuzzo was getting the lone penalty. My point is, regardless, if that is the case, if it's not the case, then it's a different argument. If that is the case, it's kind of annoying that a dive 
doesn't get called immediately in the playoffs like that. And then he ends up getting an unsportsmanlike conduct because he clearly dives on the third fucking one. Like, that is just the obvious, like, blatant, like, what are you even doing kind of thing. If I'm on the Dallas Stars, I'm pissed at Essel and Dell for even doing that third one. But my point is that he seemed to get away with it the first couple times. And I'm a big fan of the let the boys play. But I thought automatically Lindell should have gone in not Bertuzzo. And I'm not biased there because I'm not... I don't know Robert Bertuzzo. Like, not not that well, anyway. Like, I have no reason to side with Robert Bertuzzo. Even though I know him, sort of, and his family, sort of. But, like, I don't care if he, you know, costs the fucking Blues a game. You know? Sure. I thought he was getting traded earlier this year. Like, I, I don't... I'm not biased here. But I thought for sure... Lindell should have been the one to go, and Bertuzzo didn't do anything wrong. Like, it, it to me, if you're an NHL defenseman like S. Lindell, it didn't look to me like he lost his edges. Like, I, I preface this by saying maybe he did, and maybe he did. It didn't look to me at all like he was ready to fall. He looked pretty fucking square on his feet, and then flopped like a, like a, like a chicken wing into the garbage. Yeah, I don't know. Like... I definitely 100% agree that there was a whole lot of diving going on in that pool. But, um, I just, uh... In that pool. It was, like, a cross-check is a cross-check. And there's... I don't think a merit of strength needs to be exhibited to determine if it's a cross-check or not. So, in in that regard, I kind of see why Bortuzzo would get the penalty. I don't completely disagree with you, but... Like, if you, like, like, say, for example, you high-stick a guy, and you catch him in the face, and you cut him, but he flops like a fish as a result. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you didn't high-stick him, but he also over-exaggerated the high-stick, so... I think you're more likely to flop like a fish, though, if someone cuts your cheek open, sure, right? but... That's, that's just where my point lies. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a matter of you've dove, so it wasn't a cross-check. Well, I, it was a cross-check, but you dove. I agree so. with the spirit of what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree with the way you phrased it, just in the sense that, like, a cross-check <laughs> is a cross-check. But, like, if I were to guess, because I watch, you know, seven or eight games a week, I I know what say, you're going to say, and I agree. <laughs> I would say 99% of cross-checks go uncalled. And exactly. I might be lowballing it. <laughs> like, cross-checks never fucking get called unless the guy is dead. Yeah, 100%. Or does a Lindell. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they don't get called. It's just... It, it, I'm not disagreeing with the way the ref called it. I'm just saying, like, it's a little discouraging to me to know that for a second there, it seemed like, anyway, the way I saw the play, that Bertuzzo was going and Lindell wasn't. Yeah. That's discouraging to me. That said... I've pulled a Lindell for sure. <laughs> I've fucking done that too. I know what, like, I used to know, like, even in minor hockey, what refs are going to look at and that kind of shit. Like, I fucking dove for sure. And we got a lot of power plays, and I scored a lot of power play goals. And you scored a lot of power play goals as benefit to me flopping. <laughs> so, like, I'm not saying that, like, I'm not a big, like, there's no place for diving in the game. There clearly is. Like, the refs are fucking human. They're judging the plays as they see them. If you can make it look good, take a dive. Like, why not? Like, what? what's the point not? I'm saying Lindell probably displayed the most disparaging... Like, sorry, the most disappointing and embarrassing display of diving I think I've ever seen. My it own... was really bad. That third one was really bad. 
my only personal connection with uh, diving as a hockey player was uh, I played defense one year. I was the captain of my team, and uh, that couldn't have been very pretty. Yeah. Um, and I had a buddy that played against me on a different team, and we were both in front of the net, and I was covering him. And the play was now moving up the ice, so my role was done. And my stick would just happen to be positioned between his legs. And when the referee looked back at us, he fell to the ice, and I got a, a penalty. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you can attest to the number of penalties I took as a minor hockey Many. player. That, two, or two or three that a year. might have been my only one that season, and it was just because this asshole buddy of mine yeah. knew the ref was going to turn back and look at me, and just fell. See, for a second, I thought maybe the asshole was me, but then I realized no. we never actually played against each other, so that's fine. Oh, one year we did. Um, did we? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I'm, and just even to go off your story too, though. Not that we're going to spend the podcast rehashing old hockey memories, but I do remember, Ooh, like, can't wait for that bonus. So, episode. so, so this. Oh man! So this brings me back to like the Riley thing earlier this year, where they thought he used a homophobic slur on the ice, right? And like, you can only prove what you see, right? Like, you can't, you can't. There's no way to go back in time and get into that moment and take a look at Morgan Riley's face and see what he was saying. And we know now he didn't say it right, but at the time, everyone was freaking out, and it reminded me of this game. Uh, in which I was skating into the corner, the period had ended, and I was kind of like, you know, cross-checking, and again, it was like a buddy of mine. Uh, you you remember who specifically when I say that my entire assignment that year when we played their team was to shadow this player, and we'd played minor hockey together, we know each other really well, said hi to me last week. But, like, we go into the corner, we were jarring, period ends, so now it's okay, just skate away, because, like, we're, we're done until the period starts again. And uh, he looks over at me and he calls me a pussy. And the ref was right there, so I didn't say anything. Because I love chirping until the refs got near, and then I was silent silent as a as a as a mouse. The grave. As a what? Silent as the grave. Sure. Yeah, hopefully the grave's silent. And <laughs> <laughs> Not in Game of Thrones. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Let's watch a bunch of zombies and then talk about it for an hour afterwards. Just, it's a Walking Dead joke. Just a, to a, a follow-up point, not to interrupt your story. Uh, the story's done now. But <laughs> do we have to put like a spoiler alert on this episode now? Like I can't. I was going to name the episode "Spoiler anything? Alert." Yeah. I, I was going to name it "Spoiler Alert" for oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, that's just "Spoiler Alert." That's it. Good. Did we spoil? I guess I we did. Just, just I, you just kind of spoiled it a little bit. I guess. No. Did we spoil we it? We knew that. Oh, okay. I, I can't remember back. Well, whatever. Anyone who should be watching Game of Thrones should have watched it by now, and if you haven't seen it, then don't even fucking bother watching nice. it. That's what I'm saying. Love it. Anyway, so he calls me a pussy. <laughs> and so I skate away, and then the ref blows his whistle and gives me a two-minute minor for unsportsmanlike. And I said, what's it for? And he said, because you just called him a pussy. I said, first off... You shouldn't repeat it if it's that bad. <laughs> and secondly, I didn't say anything. And he's like, I heard you say it. And I'm like, but there was another guy in the corner. You know the guy you thought I was calling a pussy? He called me said word. <laughs> and he's like, no, you're going to the box. And I get to the box, and you're on my team. And our head coach looks at me, and he's like, and he's like, what'd you do that for? And I'm like, do what? And I'm yelling at him, and I'm like, I didn't call him that. He called me that, and our coach didn't believe me. I think the only person who believed me were, like, the guys on our team. Because, like, our coach thought I was full of shit. The ref thought I was full of shit. Our parents thought I was full of shit. Everyone thought I was lying. 
And I'm like, that's not what happens. So basically what I'm saying is that human refs are awful and we should move to robotic refs in the next five years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, East. Speaking of robots, uh, pretty bad ad segue, but this week's sponsor is Airedale Hunting and Fishing. Uh, located... Speaking of poutine. <laughs> Speaking of zombies, Airedale Hunting and Fishing. There are no zombie fish, but there are perfectly beautiful fish to be to be to be caught in Airedale. Have you ever had a fish Wawa. poutine? <laughs> you ever been in a fish fight, Brooksy? Yeah. So uh, Airedale is located in Wawa, Ontario. Uh, there are eighteen remote fly-in uh, outpost camps. Uh, the fly-in experience helps keep the lake pristine and the fishing extraordinary. Now, the the lake is host to brook trout, lake trout, northern pike, pickerel, or walleye. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. They've got, you know, because of the fly-in experience, it's such a unique thing. Uh, as we know here in, in northwestern Ontario, or if you're not from here, like, there's a lot of places to go fishing. But Airedale kind of helps handle it all and sort of, you know, gives you the experience that you otherwise wouldn't have. They do open for the year on May 15th, and they're open until October 31st. So they got a wide range of availability for you to book your beautiful wilderness experience for the summer. Uh, visit www.outpostcamps.com. I might have said four W's there, but there's only three W's, you know, like a normal website. You know, you guys know the internet? Um, give Airedale a call or an email or whatever you got to do. Book your trip and get up there because uh, it's beautiful. And I plan to get up there myself this summer, perhaps with uh, with Jimmy. Perhaps she, not. She ain't pretty. She just looks that way. The Northern Pikes. Took... I'm glad you had a minute and a half to think about how to do that, and that was the way you chose to do it. Okay, uh, the Eastern Conference is still a conference in the National Hockey League, which which we were talking about, the National Hockey League, not all the other leagues, even though we spent 38 minutes on other leagues or whatever. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes have a 2 to nothing series lead over the New York Islanders, going back to Carolina. Uh, Peter Morazic uh, left Game 2 with a lower body injury. And I am wondering if there's an update, and I'm checking he to see if there's... He will not play Game 3. He will not play Game 3. So, um, kind of a kind of a, a tough one for Carolina. Although I, I, you know, all respect Peter Morazic. Peter Morazic's not exactly the thing that's gotten them to where they are. But he certainly helped. Um, he's playing... He played really good hockey over the last, like, month and a half. Seems to be, like, a rallying point for the team. Um, just because he, he's so excited. You know what I mean? Like, the, like the whole team's excited, they're happy to be there, but Peter Morazic's like the poster boy for this Carolina Hurricanes team. He's like the face of this team this year, because, like, he just gets so damn excited when they win. He's so happy to be there. He's full of life. He's won me over, because I wasn't, like, necessarily... I didn't love Peter Morazic. I didn't hate Peter Morazic. I just didn't have an opinion on him. I love this fucking guy now. I'm, I'm, so, I'm happy for this team, happy for that guy, but it's a tough loss, for sure. The good news is, is because he hasn't, you know, necessarily been the reason that they've been playing well. He's just been part of it. They may be able to keep going here with with Curtis McElhaney, who played fairly well this season. He was no Peter Morazic, but he was pretty good. If you told me two or three months ago that Curtis McElhaney would have more saves in a playoff game than Robin Leonard, mm-hmm. I would not have believed you, mm-hmm. but it happened the other night. Yeah. See, and if you would have told me that a year ago, I would have thought you were talking about the American Hockey League playoffs. Like, uh, the interesting thing here is that we're we're literally, like, a mishap away from Scott Darling getting into the net for the Carolina Hurricanes and being their hope in the playoffs. 
we're at that point, are we? Basically where we thought we would be two years ago, but it's been a crazy ride the last two years. <laughs> it's been a long, strange trip. Yeah, it's been a little strange, and uh, I don't know, man. Like, so, so what do you think here? Because, like, home ice hasn't been everything in these playoffs. Um, it obviously helps, especially when you have a good coach. It helps a lot, uh, which these are two really good coaches going up against each other. But there are few buildings in the NHL right now that I would want to be going to down to nothing. I mean, you don't want to go to any building down to nothing, but like going into Carolina down to nothing is a really tough, tough task, especially when you're talking about the Carolina Hurricanes, who are like the analytic darlings of the National Hockey League and are like supposedly like the best or one of the best teams with the puck. And, you know, playing with the puck is the sport. And the New York Islanders, who are supposedly one of the worst teams in the league with the puck, but they're good without the puck. So it's like I don't I don't know. It's 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 it, this has been a weird series. Is what uh, I'm getting at. I mean, like Carolina allowed three goals in three home games against the Washington Capitals in the first round. So I like their chances at home, to say the least. I I think that. Uh, they shut him out five nothing in uh, yeah. game three. I forgot about the shutout because yeah. yeah, yeah, game game uh, game four it was a two to one or a three to one win, and then game six was a two to one win for the Hurricanes. So. That was five to two, but yeah. Sorry, yeah, five, <laughs> yeah. three goals against. Yeah, 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 yeah five two. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think the Islanders are long for this world. <laughs> yeah, I um listen. I mean, like, uh, there are certain points where you got to admit you're wrong. And be like, you know what, I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know everything kind of thing. I, I still am dying on this hill. I don't think the Islanders are going to win a game in this series. I think Carolina is going to sweep them. I certainly hope Because so. ju- it's just like, there are, look, the only, fuck. The Islanders had a good season in the standings. They had a good season, and that's the only thing that fucking matters. Like, that, that's really it, right? At the end of the day, having a good year in the standings, and then winning your games when you get to the playoffs. It doesn't matter how pretty they are. But there is no reason for me to believe, other than Robin Leonard, that this is a good hockey team. There isn't one to me. Like, their top pairing, I still have my doubts. I think Ryan Pollock's a really good defenseman. I don't think he's not a Norris defenseman at this point. He might end up being one, but he's not one yet. There's just no reason for me to think that this is a good hockey team. Short of Barry Trotz, but coaching can only do really so much for you, especially when you don't have the puck. Like, it's really hard to play from behind, on the road, when you don't have the puck. Yeah. It's just hard to take the crowd out of the game. Like, what's going to happen? Carolina's going to come into game three, and we know what's going to happen. They're going to fucking outshoot the Islanders 12-1 to in the first eight minutes of the game, and maybe the score is 0-0, but it, it might not be. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, like it's really an uphill climb for the Islanders at this point. It's not like the Hurricanes are shooting lights out here. Mind no. you, no. it's Robin Leonard in net, so okay, whatever, you're not going to get a ton of goals. Well, it's column A and column B, it's both, for sure, okay. right? Like, it's, okay. that's, Hurricanes don't score fine. a lot of goals, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Leonard's unreal. Sure, but when the Islanders have a combined one goal against Curtis McElhinney and Peter Mrazek, mm-hmm. and you're going back to their barn... Like what do you what do you hope like what are you trying to do at this point like mm-hmm. we're we're into the second round of the playoffs if you haven't figured out how to put the puck in the net then you're not about to learn mm-hmm. you're not going to just figure it out in game ninety or ninety one 
yeah. how to how to score four or five goals in a game because that's probably what you're going to need in Carolina. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you're on the Islanders, you're not thinking this particular way. But like the fact is, is that you know usually the hope when you're down two to nothing going to another team's city is that at this point you have nothing to lose. Like you haven't done anything in this series. Um, you know they everything is stacked against you. Just play loose and try to do your best, kind of thing. The problem is that you're playing the Carolina Hurricanes, who are in the same fucking boat. They're up two to nothing. If they lose this series, do you think? That it really fucking matters inside their organization. No, it doesn't. This t- this season is a win for them. This is a complete win for both these teams. They they got to a point that neither of them should have been at at the beginning of the year. Like the Hurricanes, this is amazing for them. Like this is unbelievable. But they're gonna play loose too. That's what I'm getting at. Right? Is like they also don't have anything to lose. Really. Like these guys have. A lot of these guys have played themselves back into NHL jobs out of this year. Because, like, there are a few guys, Peter Morazic at the front of it, that were sort of becoming fringe NHL players. Now Peter Morazic, it looks like a legitimate starting goaltender all of a sudden. Curtis McElhaney's got more years on his career left now. Fucking Scott Darling might even revive his career, depending how this all goes, right? Like, How, how are the checkers doing? Sure. Maybe he's been doing great in the American Hockey League for all we know. I don't know. Should we look it up? Should we know? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I like I like Scott Darling. We'll leave it at that. Because <laughs> I don't want to look it up and find out he did bad. So let's just say he's doing great. Because I like Scott Darling. He's a great guy. Um, so yeah, like I, I still think Carolina wins this series despite the injury to Peter Morazic. You might even say he's the darling of the analytic darlings. Huh? Might say it. Not if he's putting up an eight eighty nine. That's for sure. Ah. What's your thought on the series here? Sweet. Did did I get your prediction on Dallas San Jose or sorry Dallas St Louis? I keep mixing up those. You don't two know teams. who's playing who. Nah, out West, nah, it do doesn't you? matter. Who who's winning the cup at this point? That's a no. But what do you think, Dallas St Louis? It's going seven. Don't have a team. Too close to call. I don't think winner I goes to the one cup either. finals. That's all. Okay. Are you gonna pick one? Nah. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say seven games. I'm going Dallas. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll I'll take St. Louis to be the devil. Sure. Yeah. And then I'm going four in hurricane or four hurricanes and four. Hurricanes and four. Okay. Hands thank you. Uh, our final series of the East, which uh, had an interesting game tonight, the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Boston Bruins returned to Columbus for Game Three tonight. Uh, series was tied one one. Columbus pulled out a uh, a pretty gorgeous two one victory, if I do say so myself. Although it was a great game, Boston had a lot of pressure late in the game. Um, this is another really good series, I think. Uh, really evenly matched. Um, Boston has more... I don't know. Boston has more depth, but they don't. Like, Columbus has good depth, too. It's just their depth does different things than what Boston's depth does. Boston has good scoring depth. Columbus has more physical and defensive depth. So Boston's more of a scoring sort of team, I would credit them as, whereas Columbus is more of a block shots and get it done kind of the ugly way sort of team. Columbus takes a 2-1 series lead tonight. Have you had an opinion or time to watch this series? I, I'm going to say that I'm going to say it this way and I know the counter argument is going to be very simple to make. Cool. The Columbus Blue Jackets are an overtime loss away from this being a 3-0 series lead. And I realize that you could say that the Boston Bruins are an overtime loss away from this being a 2-1 Bruins season uh, series lead, but 
I think it's more surprising when you consider how well Columbus has handled not only the templating in the first round, but these Boston Bruins in the second yeah. round. Yeah. Well, especially considering, too, and it's it's not that Columbus didn't earn that first round series, because they did. They earned every inch of it. But Tampa Bay also didn't come out ready to go. Exactly. Like, Tampa Bay wasn't firing at, let alone themselves, but, like, even close to what Boston's firing at right yeah. now. Yeah. Because Boston looks really good. Um, yeah. Columbus... I don't know what it is. They're they're hungry. They 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 tasted a little bit of blood, maybe or something, and and they they're they're rolling with it. I like really, sharks in the water. Like hungry hungry sharks. I I I really like Columbus. I want I want to see this team make make it. I, I, honestly, they're my cup pick. Like I I want the Columbus Blue Jackets to win the cup more than any team that's left right now. Cool. Save for maybe the St. Louis Blues, but there's different reasons behind that. So. Ugh. I don't know. I love this team right now. I like the idea that a GM went out the deadline, you know, rolled the dice, went hard. That's that's what makes me the happiest out of, like, of all the storylines in Columbus, honestly, that is the one that makes me the happiest, and it's kind of selfish, but, like, it's really, really good for, like, trade deadlines and, like, free agencies and, like, all these other things now, man. Like, this, this, this is really good that Columbus is succeeding, because, like, those first five games, man, it looked like not only was Yarmo Kekalainen getting fired, but probably no team was ever going to make a trade deadline trade ever fucking again. Yeah. Like, right after the trade deadline, Columbus gets blown out by Edmonton, and, like, they looked awful for the first little bit. They look pretty dialed in now. And, uh, like, you know, sometimes you got to eat shit. I'll eat a little bit of shit here. Uh, Matt Duchesne is a, turns out, a pretty good playoff player. Turns out a pretty decent player in general. Uh, I had my death of doubts about him. He has earned every little bit of my respect in these playoffs. Yeah, and like the big narrative here is like the further they go, all of a sudden the questions keep ramping up. Well, do they stay or do they go? Do they stay or do they go? They got they got four big free agents that are hitting the market this summer. Sure. Classic clash problem. Yes. So there's a little bit of you know what does the future hold? There's a little bit of this is fun now. Who cares about the future? I love this team. I also hate the Bruins, but that's a that's a <laughs> caveat. I want to see this team do well. I think at this I think the game three tonight that was a big big win in the series. The Leafs won game three as well, so I'm not getting ahead of myself yet. Yeah, but I think Columbus takes this one in six. That's just me. Yeah. So I'm going to make a prediction, but I don't have a real reason to back it up, and, and I'll explain why. Is, is I'm going to say Boston in seven. Um, the reason it's hard for me to back it up right now is because I just watched Columbus do everything right against Boston, and Boston played a good game, and Columbus still did everything right. Um, the only reason I'm taking Boston is I just I think they are dialed in for the most part. I think they're a team that's just not going to go away. Uh, and neither does Columbus, but I, I just I think Boston is a better hockey team. Um, that said, I don't have to tell you, I am rooting for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I will be very happy to be wrong here, but uh, it's going to be tough. Um, Boston has just... The thing is, is Boston's been through the ringer, man, and Boston is one of the only teams in the league where you're really not going to plant a seed of doubt in their head. Like, they are going to remain confident until they are down 4-1 to one in an elimination game with, like, three seconds left. That's when Boston's done. But until you get Boston, like, on the ground with the gun to their head, uh, they're, they're not out of the fight. So, 
Um, I just think Boston's going to keep fighting and eventually their skill's going to come through. Um, which brings me to uh, my next point, though. There is a little bit of a caveat to that. It's A, David Pasternak needs to find his game. Because uh, he's clearly either very hurt or he sucks, which I don't think it's the second one. Uh, Patrice Bergeron is either very hurt or he sucks, and I don't think it's the second one. Uh, Brad Marchand has been good, but um, he needs to avoid getting suspended, which is something that I guess could happen. Uh, for those of you who didn't see it, Brad Marchand did uh, punch, I guess, Scott Harrington in the back of the head after the whistle. It's gotten a lot of attention around the league, online, analysts, everything's kind of dissecting it. I don't think he gets suspended for it. I don't think it warrants a suspension, and the only reason it would is because it's Brad Marchand, but I don't really think that it's fair when an injury didn't happen on the play. Like, I, I don't think it's it's fair to suspend a guy just because of his reputation when there's no injury on the play. And it sounds bad to say, but if Scott Harrington got hurt there... Uh, I think I think it's a suspension. It's just, to me, there were malicious intent there, I guess, in a sense. But, like, he knew he wasn't going to hurt him. And he wouldn't have hurt him doing that. Like, yeah. just the way he hit him. If he hit him a lot harder, if he fucking, you know, pulled a Todd Bertuzzi on him or something, it's a completely different story. But it wasn't that aggressive of a play. Um, if I'm the player safety, I fine him, for sure. Because I think it's just a stupid thing by a stupid guy... Uh, in a playoff game, it deserves to be recognized in a way. I think you find them, provided that they have the means to do so, within the rules, which I'm sure they do, because it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of rules <laughs> in the player safety and kind of just do whatever you want. I think he deserves a fine. I, I I don't think he should be suspended for it at this point. Yeah. But watch him closely. Like it should be a phone call for sure. To sure. Me. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I did didn't. If it's not Brad Marchand, we're not talking about it. No. It's, uh, it sucks. It's I, hate, I hate the guy. I yeah. wish I wish he did something stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. kind of wish he was getting suspended. But like, yeah, it's to me, it's not. It's it's fine. Um, quickly before we get to our top ten, the return of the top ten. It it's has. been a while. Um, Adam Fox has been traded to the New York Rangers from the Carolina Hurricanes. If you are not familiar with Adam Fox, Adam Fox was uh, the prospect included in the. Dougie Hamilton to Carolina for with with Furland for Lindholm and Hannafin deal. So he goes to the New York Rangers. He will, at least in my opinion, inevitably sign. Uh, he grew up as a New York Rangers fan. His favorite player of all time is Brian Leach. I'm pretty sure he's going to want to put on the Rangers jersey and wear number fucking 22 or something like that and sort of honor Brian Leach if he can. Um, or some variation of a number with two in it. Uh, my thought is he'll sign there, but he's a pretty good young defenseman. If you're not familiar with him, he put 48 points on the board this year in 33 games for Harvard, uh, which is, you know, pretty absurd for college hockey. He's supposed to be a very good defenseman. A lot of people have argued that he's like a top five player outside of the National Hockey League, uh, but he's only 21. So, your thoughts? You know who had 58 points for the Harvard uh, NCAA team? Dominic Moore. Jimmy Vc. Ooh, mm. nice. Yeah. I don't get hyped about college players. Well, Fox is a defenseman. So yeah, I know. I, I get that. Don't care. Kale McCarr is a college player, sure. though. So you're, you you don't think Kale McCarr is good? I think I've seen enough out of Kale McCarr in his three playoff games to know he's a good player. I didn't know that until until he got here. Yeah. No, like, 
But there are college players where we know they're good, and like Makar is one, and Fox is another. Yeah, we also that about Vici. I don't know. Well, Vici's not bad. He just hasn't turned into an elite scorer. Yeah, he's like he, well, he's 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 not great. He's he's nowhere near what people were saying he was. So I yeah, know. I don't know. I just I don't get hyped about these guys. I I don't know. I I don't really recall there being all that much hype around oh, Jimmy Vc. I he, just remember he was it being the more most of, hyped college player I've ever I've ever uh, I can remember. I don't remember anyone ever talking about his ability as a player. It was more or less the situation that he put the Nashville Predators in, where people were talking about. I don't really remember reading much about Jimmy Vc like on the ice, really. But what I will say though is that Adam Fox has been not. Always a highly touted player, but apparently has developed uh, pretty significantly in the last couple years. And this could be a pretty good move for the New York Rangers, is all I'm saying. Uh, you could be right. I, I, just, I don't know. I've, I've stopped getting... It seems like every summer there's some college guy that leaves the team that drafted him and goes somewhere else, usually the New York Rangers. And... Um, <laughs> It just never, I don't know, just, like, they're fine. They're just never, like, anything now, worth talking about. James, how dare you, first off, be prejudiced against hockey, or, sorry, against college players by going to the New York Rangers? Every type of free agent goes to the New York Rangers. Hey, you're not wrong. Including Artemi Panarin this summer. Um, listen, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's a good move for the for the, for the the Rangers. Um, it only helps them kind of speed things along at the very least. Um, he should be a serviceable NHL player at the very least, if, if not... Could be a franchise defenseman, but we don't know. Yeah, you know, you never know. Sometimes yeah. you think you know, I, I, and then you I don't, never know. I don't wish him ill. I just, I don't know. Sounds I, like you do. I've stopped. I've stopped reading into this narrative okay. every summer. Cool. Well, top ten time. Woo! I mean, it's time for the top ten. Top ten. Top ten. We uh, we teased this top ten to you uh, weeks ago and never got to it because you know life gets busy sometimes and my computer hey, the goes for a shit. Are happening? There's so much to talk about. Yeah, I mean, like, if we're being completely honest, like, this is the first episode I've really done in, like, a month, because, uh, you did a solo episode, and then I was hung over for the next two, so, like, this is the first time where I've been able to, like, sit down, concentrate, do things the right right way. Uh, don't worry about me, folks, everything's fine. Um, so, our top ten this week is top ten that 70s show episodes, so what we decided to do is we're just gonna compare our lists of our favorite top ten. Because it's not necessarily the best episodes. It's, in our opinion, our favorite. Our, like, you know what I mean? The best to us. But it doesn't mean that they're the best to everyone. We probably left some episodes off the list that are maybe, you know, your favorite. But we want to, basically, we're going to sit down. We're going to compare some episodes. We're going to hash out some really good That 70s Show memories. we got a lot of time to, to, to gab. That we do. About Stephen Hyde and Kitty Foreman and uh, Josh Myers. I'm sure... <laughs> What? Does, okay. Does Josh Myers appear in your list? Ooh, hard no. I I um I don't even get past season four on my list. Actually, I I will say at least to get past season four, the the episode that does not make my cut. Uh, so it is number eleven, but I guess I'll talk about it quickly here. Uh, Misty Mountain Hop from season five, episode twelve. Uh, that is the episode where they go out to the cabin and everyone just ends up being at Jackie's cabin. Oh yeah. Uh, it do- it doesn't make my list, but it's a really good episode. But other than that, my my top ten, nothing past season four. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So I guess uh, do you have a number eleven or do you shoot right into no, your number ten? I don't. I don't have an eleven. Okay. What's your ten? Uh, your number the, ten. Uh, season uh, three, episode uh, twenty three, uh, the Canyon Road Trip. Okay. Yeah. 
I, li- I like it. Yeah, I'm Canadian. You know, I, I I get the jokes. There's there's some good inside inside humor with, you know, Canadian uh, uh, singers and bands and uh, uh, our former prime minister uh, Justin Trudeau's father. Uh, uh, fuck, what's his name? Pierre Elliott. Pierre Elliott. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. It's been a while. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just I, I like the Canadian content. It's kind of funny. Okay. I get it. I think what I like one thing about that episode. Um, is the is the is the that seventy show constant of the we got busted and then we're gonna get uh, like interrogated separately sort of trope that they do and so like they all get interrogated and they all have their own shtick yeah. so like Fez prevent or pretends that he can't speak, speak English, English yeah. uh, Tommy Chong keeps repeating the question that he just got asked um, like it's it's great you know what I mean and hides like super paranoid it's it's a really good episode yeah. yeah no that, that's fair. Uh, my number 10, and I, I I would be surprised if this doesn't make an appearance on yours, but it's my number 10, uh, Eric's Birthday. Season 1, Episode 2. It's actually the second episode of the series. Um, my favorite moment of the episode, and it is my one of my top five favorite episodes in the series, is when, uh, I believe it's Fez, Eric, and Kelso come downstairs, but Hyde may be there, uh, and Lori's doing laundry. And Lori starts talking about how she needs to borrow the car and all this kind of stuff. And uh, and basically once Lori goes upstairs, Kelso is convinced that Lori was coming on to her. And basically all they did was the directors edited a bunch of like non like out of context on out of context clips of what Lori said to the gang while they were down there. And made it sound like she was coming on to Kelso, and that's yeah. how Kelso heard it because he wasn't even paying attention. Whoa! Your sister wants me. <laughs> I mean, you saw her coming on to me, right? <laughs> Let him go. <laughs> Remember? Uh, I said, hello, Lori. And Lori said, Hello, Kelso. I'm waiting. And I want you, baby, to take me now. I need it. Bad. I need it. All night. And Mama loves her baby. I'm completely naked under this. And I'm hot for you, Kelso. Um, there's the constant joke of how Eric wants, uh, doesn't want an 8-track player. He wants a cassette player. So what do they get him? An 8-track player, because he wouldn't shut up about it. It's, it's a great episode, I'm a big fan. The show, the show came on real strong, like, I'm a big fan of the pilot. The first season is a, is a unheralded gem. Kids, I need some help up here. Fed, uh, Hyde, Kelso, Donna, foreign kid with an accent. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good episode. Yeah, I don't. Do I have a? Yeah, I've I have one from season one. Oh so, wow, I got yeah. a few. Okay, it's not. I well, maybe I only have one more. But yeah, okay. Okay, uh, number nine for me is uh, Misty Mountain Hop. Ooh, nice. Season five, episode twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, kids go up to the uh, cat. Well, not the kids, but you know, Red and Kitty. Go Everyone. Yes. Yeah, so, 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 so the, the shtick of it, right, is that. Uh, because 
Jackie's dad went to jail, I guess is what happened. So Eric and, or sorry, no, Red Kitty. Eric and Donna. Eric, Donna, and Jackie are coming up to help clean out the cabin. Yeah. Whereas Hyde, Fez, and Kelso are coming up to the cabin to, like, party. Yeah. And so they both end up there, and it's really awkward, and obviously they had drugs with them, and, you know, it's it's good. Also, uh... Do you mean green ja- paprika? Then yes, sir. Ja- Jackie's, uh, uh, instructions to, uh, Eric and Donna on how to get to the cabin. Yeah. Turn left when it gets different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Past the old place where I bought a sweater that time. <laughs> Just, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, like, not... Not a great, like, overall storyline, but, like, the jokes but that, just hit. That's what I mean, up. and, like, a lot of these episodes, too, like, a lot of the ones on my list are really good episodes, but there are a couple on here where I think, like, just certain jokes stand out more than the episode does for me, but... Ah, I'm going out the window! Yeah, there's no window in the bathroom. There's no window, yeah. Uh, my number nine is Hyde Moves In, Season 1, Episode 24. Uh, this episode is basically just a compilation of all the miserable things about Hyde's life uh, living at home where his mom kind of doesn't live and when she does live there there's just like a slew of random guys coming in and out of the out of the house uh, basically just portraying her as a whore which is a lot of fun because later in the show uh, Katie Seagal plays his mom and she does a fantastic job she's fucking hilarious um, but yeah Hyde moves in uh, by the way the San Jose Sharks take a 2-1 series lead with a 4-2 win well Maybe 4-2. It's 4-2 now. But yeah, hi, hi, like my favorite part about the episode, though, and you know exactly where I'm going with this, is when Kitty and Red go to pick up Hyde later. They drop him off initially and basically see how miserable his house is. And Red just snaps because the whole episode, he's like, I'm not letting him move in and we're not taking him in. We don't need another kid. But it's so bad, Red's heart can't resist it. And he basically just screams at Hyde. I am tired of being Santa Claus. <laughs> Steven, you get your together and you get your ass in the damn car. We're going. Now, damn it. Move it. Okay. Or just the sweetest man alive. <laughs> with a with an with an ending that sort of sets up the rest of the series in a sense, because Hyde living with the Foremans is really crucial. Like, is maybe the second biggest plot line away from. Eric and Donna. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. No, it's definitely key. Uh, it it makes an appearance on my list. Cool. So. Big fan. Yeah. Uh, where are we at now? Number eight. Yep. Uh, I can't keep track of that. Uh, number eight, uh, season three, episode two. Red sees red. Mm. Yeah. It was a late cut. Yeah. So uh, basically, the idea here is that the uh, the kids have all just been recently busted for. Uh, Sneaking out and breaking curfew, and this is one of those episodes where you know Lori is still a, a fairly regular character, so you know she's 
part of this gang at that point. And Red's had enough, so he's he's got this. I'm setting up curfews. I'm putting Christmas bells on the. Those are my Christmas bells. They're happy bells. And despite his best efforts, the kids keep sneaking out. And you know Donna's coming over, and you know Hyde's got Jackie and the or whoever. I don't think they're dating at that point, but you know what I mean. Like they're all doing their own things until and and Red thinks he's winning the whole time. Like mm-hmm. he's got them. Yeah. Until he turns around and sees them all pushing the Vista Cruiser like shut off so it doesn't make any noise they're all just rolling it out of the driveway it's like this unit and at no point have they all snuck out together but it's just this one scene yeah. where they're all going as it one. just looks the worst it can they're kidnapping he's like, me. I, I think it's working <laughs> oh you do and he's like yeah i do and she, kitty's like oh you do i just said i did and they're in the background like pushing the vista cruiser red for god's sakes like look out here kind yeah. of thing eh? just classic yeah so one of those one of those rare instances where where red is is at his peak in terms of like oh. angry dad but the kids are still beating him because so, er, they never get away with it he's never not at his best but early season 3 is like red's you know what i mean like his his peak like i guess he's at his peak so yeah. um my number 8 season 4 episode 23 hyde's birthday mm um, planning the surprise party for Hyde's birthday. He doesn't want a party. Um, basically, Red has to sit down with him man to man and tell him that he's going to that party and you're wearing that sweater. And um, it, it, it's just what <laughs> <laughs> what does the sweater look like again? I can't like it's like a light a blue, H, right? And it's just yeah. a big H, basically. And they get to the party and like he opens the present with the sweater and Red's just sitting there looking at him. <laughs> put it on like it's just it's classic man uh um the joke that kitty is getting um jackie and fez to plan the party because they're feminine instead of getting donna to help out yeah oh it's great and then next time she's gonna get donna and fez instead of donna and or instead of jackie and fez like it's a really good episode oh it's fantastic from start to finish one of my one of my favorites for sure yeah any any episode that features bob pinciotti's house his mess disaster of a house. Yeah. Uh, it, it is always a good time. Blue shade carpeting. Yeah. Uh, number seven for me is uh, season four, episode twenty six. Everybody loves Casey. Mm. So this is one where uh, uh, Donna is is uh, in the middle of her uh, dating Kelso's older brother Casey Kelso, and um, which normally when you have two characters on a show that break up and split up. And sometimes it can be an awkward sort of plot line because it doesn't make sense. But they handled the Eric and Donna really well, I thought, in that series. This plot line fit completely organically, too. Like, it was was a perfect plot line. Was Luke Wilson as Casey Kelso. In, like, I'm not even lying, too. I love Luke Wilson. One of his best, like comedic performances yeah. is, is as Casey Kelso. So the whole episode is is, is basically uh, Eric trying to undermine Casey at a Foreman barbecue because Kitty has won a year's supply of hot oh, dogs. Oh, that's the one, man. Piggly Wiggly. Oh, man, that's a good one. So, you know, every chance he gets, Eric's just like, oh, I, I can do this, and then K- Casey's got a better response, and Oh, it's just fantastic the the lengths they go to to try to, and then at the whole time Kitty's just freaking out because she's got all these hot dogs she doesn't know what to do with, and yeah, so definitely I, one of the one of the be- I think that the best usage of the 
Casey Kelso arc uh, in the series. Yeah, is that the one too where, the, like, at the end, spoiler alert, I mean, you know, fitting in with the rest of the episode, they break up? Or is it the next one? Um, it's the next episode they Fuck, break that's, up. That season has like 104 episodes in it. That yeah. is the longest fucking season of a show I've ever seen. So it's 27 episodes? 27. That's insane. <laughs> it really is. I think The Office has one season where they also have like 27 or 28. But other than that, those are the longest seasons I've ever seen of a show. Like, yeah. that's nuts. Um, I always carry a spare six-pack in the... Back of my car, or whatever the line is. Trans Am. Yeah. Back of the Trans Am. Little tip I picked up in the military. Yeah, Jesus. Red's just loving them. Um, number seven for me, season one, episode three, streaking. Uh, President Gerald Ford comes to town to give a speech to uh, basically give a town hall address, sort of like Trudeau did here at our at our field house like a month ago. Um, he's coming to town. He's coming to talk to the people. He's coming to meet the people, answer some questions. Um, the, I believe the Rotary Club or whoever invites him there, whoever's putting it on, uh, Bob Pinciotti is part of it, and so is, uh, Mr. Burkhart. I can't remember his first name right now. Robert? No, I don't know. I don't know. Mr. Burkhart, Jackie's dad. And so, um, basically, they ask Red if he'll ask a question, because he works at the plant, he's part of the local blue-collar sort of identity of the town. And, uh, basically they say that they're going to script his question and that he doesn't need to write his own question. So there's this huge blow up. Red has this huge sort of tension. And it, it, honestly, it's a really politically driven episode. Like there is sort of a heavy side to it. And that's one good thing about that 70s show. Like it's, you know, it's really, really funny. And they don't like beat you over the head with the tough moments of the series. But there are a lot of moments that are really tough and really real. Yeah. And this is one of those episodes where it, it really is like a, a testament to the blue-collar sort of worker. And so Red grapples with that. Meanwhile, uh, the kids are planning to streak at this uh, town hall event. And uh, needless to say, it has a cheeky ending. Uh-huh. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so Eric ends up running out there with his with his bony ass, yelling wee wee pee pee, wearing a Richard Nixon mask. And uh it's it's just a great episode. I think one of my favorite moments though is when they're in the hallway and someone makes fun of Kelso's trench coat or something. I don't even remember what they hitting make on fun Jackie. of. His so oh he's hitting on Jackie, right. And Kelso like is gonna fight the guy, but he's in his trench coat not wearing clothes underneath and like half the trench coat comes off and he's like they have to hold him back. Like he's so stupid that he can't even really realize that he's fucking ass naked at a Gerald Ford question session and almost like ruins the whole thing immediately. It, it's fantastic. It's a really good episode. I love it. Yeah. Just to touch on your point too, because it's something that I guess I never really thought about. But the heavy moments in the in the series, this this seventies were such a you know down decade for America, and like every it seemed like every two or three years there was some crisis going on with that uh, with that country, and. The '70s show found a, a good way to like address those big issues, but also, you know, you know, you're right. Take it in, in such a comedic direction with mm -hmm. with the sub so, uh, sub stories there. But yeah, a lot a lot of heavy moments. Now that you say it, cause I yeah. never thought about it being a, a heavy yeah. show in that regard. No, but. and and you know what? Because it's not like I find Friends has way more drama to it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's way more of it. But to me, because that '70s show is so careful about how they do it. And they do it in moderation. 
it means more, I think. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not, I'm not disparaging Friends, but, like, I would say that 70s show does a better job with the heaviness, at least the first five seasons. Um, you know, they kind of got backed into a corner because of the decisions of the actors uh, beyond season five. So it was sort of out of their control at that point. They did the best they could. But the first five seasons are, are planned the way they wanted to do everything, and they do a really good job with it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of it. There's a lot of different plot lines that come to it, but that's what makes it so real. That's what makes it so good. Uh, number six for me. Uh, season two, episode one, garage sale. So the foremans have a little <laughs> garage sale, and uh, you know, Hyde, who has just moved in at the end of season one, as we discussed, feels he isn't contributing enough to the garage sale. So he decides he's going to have a little bake sale, and he's going to have some some brownies, but he's also going to have some special brownies and. The, the Seventy Show did a really good job of incorporating marijuana as more of a socially acceptable, you know, idea in in the two thousands. I, I felt while and, while combining the tension of the classic, yes. it's going to poison your mind sort exactly. of thought, right? Like it was a really progressive show, but did a great job in representing the the other side of it. Yeah, although to a comedic sort of, you know. So They're the, idiots sort of stance. But. The best part, too, is just the fact that he loses a tray of the special brownies only to see all the grown-ups eating them, getting super high. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go on the Red- theme of this episode and be a spoiler alert. It's really high on my list, this episode. Like, uh, this is yeah. one of my favorites. Red, Red ends up selling Eric's car. <laughs> They've got to go try to track it down. And he's spraying I remember, the fire. <laughs> I remember who I sold the car to. Who? I don't know, but I remember. <laughs> Maybe his name's on that check. Yeah, yeah Red. Red. <laughs> Maybe it is. Oh, my God. And, like, man, like, all right, well, I'll save it for when I get there, but you go on. Nah, no, I was just going to say, it, was, it wasn't quite at the peak of the series, but it, it's coming, like, you can tell that the, the It was the first there. really, really good episode, yeah. I would say, yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you know what? I, I noticed something interesting, too, because, like, you can see with a show's production code, it kind of gives away when they filmed everything. And this was not initially meant to be the season premiere of the episode. It was supposed to be see- like the episode number two, which is Red's last day at work because the plant's closing. And I know, just having watched network television for as long as I have, that they moved this up to start the season because they knew it was probably the best one they made. Yeah. Uh, like in the first half of the plot line of the of the season, right? They knew they had to move it up because I think it was like production code number six for the season or something mm-hmm. like that, right? But they they knew they had a gem here, and boy did they ever! Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number six at one point probably would have been my favorite episode of the series, but I've seen it so many damn times that it, it's been moved down a little bit. Uh, number six is season three, episode thirteen. None other than. One of the most iconic episodes of the series, Dine and Dash. Um, Kelso gets a hundred bucks from his grandma, I believe, for saying that she didn't have honkin' whiskers, which is a total lie because she's got these honkin' whiskers. Uh, so he gets the hundred bucks, he says we should go out for dinner, someplace nice, someplace classy. They go out to the vineyard. Yeah. And, uh, see, like I said, I've seen this one so many times. And, uh, yeah, so they go to the vineyard for dinner. 
Um, one plot line part of the episode is that Fez is sort of seeing Caroline, who's a hostess at the vineyard, so, like, it's kind of makes things awkward. Basically, the premise of the episode, I'm sure you can tell in the, in the title, Kelso had no intentions of using this hundred dollars to pay for dinner. He just wanted to go out for dinner because he got the hundred dollars and he wanted to celebrate it, but not spend it. So, uh, his plan was to dine and dash, and the crew is not really down, but as time goes on, one by one, they each leave and grapple with their own reasons of leaving, uh, basically leaving Eric and Donna there stranded, trying to decide how the hell they're gonna get out of this mess. It's got great, uh, great gags where, like, the gang orders a cake to their table for Eric and Donna to celebrate their anniversary, um... The, the waiter's an asshole. Like, it's just, it's classic, man. Like, Hyde tries to leave and then panics in slow motion and then runs back to the fucking table. Like, it, it is fantastic television. Two more bananas. We'll come back fosters, to it please. on my list yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to say. So, that. and then I was going to ask you, too, do you, do you remember, like, you, you might get to it when you talk about it, the other plot line of the episode? Because there's got to be more to it. I don't remember what, like, Red and Kitty are doing in that episode. They must be having the Pinciottis over. But I don't I don't remember why they would. Yeah. I'll I look it up. I can't remember. You yeah. go to your next one, because I can't remember. Alright. Uh, next one for me, number five. Season four, episode 15. Tornado Prom. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, but okay. Oh, cool. I love this one. Yeah, it's so, a good one. I, I find that the, the, the series is really at its best when, like, not necessarily when the kids are all together, but when they've each got their own crisis going on. So, like, Hyde's got his own thing going on. Fez has got his own thing going on. Okay. Eric's, you know, and, and, and then, the like, the parents, you know, they got their own thing going on. So, basically, the, uh, there's a high school dance, and uh, all the kids are at the high school for this dance when a tornado hits. And the high school happens to be the town's bomb shelter, as as Red classically puts it, and that they'll be fine. So him and Kitty have to hide in the basement, but the Pinciottis were over when this happened. So now they're in the basement, stuck with Bob and his girlfriend Joanne. So, you know, the kids are all, like I said, they're all doing their own thing. Fez is desperately trying to score with his girlfriend, Big Rhonda, before they die from the <laughs> tornado. Big Rhonda. Hyde is determined to get high in the principal's office, before he dies in the tornado. Jackie is having a crisis about not being named Snow Queen. Kelso is named Snow King, which fuels the fire of her not becoming Snow Queen. Um, And Eric has set out to pick up Donna to take her to the dance without knowing that there was a tornado. So he's literally driving outside in his car, oblivious to the fact that there's a tornado, to which Donna thinks he's some hero when he shows up at risking the tornado to save her. And then he realizes what's going on, has like a little mental breakdown. And uh, I think my favorite part about it is that the uh, the foreman's engaging in a few games with uh, Bob and Joanne, including charades. Hips! You make me feel like hips! As... Uh, Red tries to guess her uh, Kitty's dance moves. And uh, also Monopoly. When the tornado ends, they just slam the game shut. Get the hell out of our house, Pinciottis. And, and Bob declares, A tie? But we had all the money. And Red declares that, We had the get-out-of-jail-free card, and you can't put a price <laughs> on freedom. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. 
I mean, like, it's worth noting, too, in this whole thing, like, there isn't really a bad episode the first four seasons. Fair. Like, they're all really good for the most part. Um, my number five is Eric's Corvette Caper, season four, episode 22. Uh, we could call that my number 11. Yeah, Red and Kitty uh, go out of town. Not that far. I can't remember specifically where, but they go out of town for for okay, sure, for Kitty's high school reunion. And uh, they get there. Kitty misread the invitation because her eyesight's going, and it was last week, so she missed the invitation. So instead of staying the extra night, they decide they're gonna drive home that night. Meanwhile, back in Point Place, Eric has a date with a cheerleader who loves the Corvette that Red owns and Eric is not even really allowed to look at so much. Uh, he's only allowed to move it in case of a fire, unless it's uh, and only to the end of the driveway. Uh, fire is no reason for a joyride. Right, so, so of course Eric takes the car out with the cheerleader fucking joyriding all night. The cheerleader crashes the car, and uh, but there's no dents, it's just dirt few things hubcap needs to be put back on just little things so eric gets home after making out with the cheerleader all night and you know he doesn't have to worry about it because parents are out of town uh they're coming back tomorrow um so hyde and fez who were having beers at the house baking which is actually my favorite part of the episode ironically and it's like a minute long um, uh, they've decided not to tell Eric immediately and let him sort of, you know, just think he's all good. And, uh, so Eric's like talking about the date and he's like, yeah, well, you know, I got to buff this out and clean this and clean that. But, you know, they're not coming back till tomorrow. So I figure I'll worry about it in the morning and Hyde goes, all right, form and sleep tight. Even though they know that Red and Kitty are coming back. Oh yeah. By the way, Eric, uh, your parents called, they'll be home in 40 minutes. And Eric's like, what? And Hyde's like, nah, I'm just messing with you. They'll be home in 20 minutes. And he has 20 minutes to fix this car up before the parents get back. So, of course, he's scrambling. Hyde's sitting there in the driveway drinking a beer while Eric's scrambling. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite a heart attack episode for Eric. Does it work out in the end? Who's to say? He almost gets away with it. Almost, so yeah. So classic. And kind, and kind of does in a way. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Great, great episode. Good one, for sure. Uh, my number four, uh, we've already discussed it, Hyde moves in. Mm. You're you're exactly right. Just an essential episode of the series. Uh, places I am him tired in, of being fucking damn Santa Claus. Yeah, places him in the control of the foremans for the remainder of you know the series. And, mm-hmm. um, hilarious to boot. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. You really, like, at the end of season one, you, you really knew... That this show is going to be something special. Yeah. This is one of those episodes. Yeah, I, I think there were a few episodes in season one. They're all good, but there were episodes that reminded me of other failed shows where it's like, yeah, it's not, it might not be quite there to gain the popularity, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think there was some doubt here and there, but ultimately it turned into one of the best sitcoms of all time. Uh, my number four is a perfect example of probably not a top ten episode in the zeitgeist of the series, but my god, is it ever one of my favorites because I just love so many aspects of it. I think it's my most relatable episode because I've kind of been there. Uh, number four, season two, episode 15, Burning Down the House. Um, Jackie decides that she wants to have a classy dinner party. Basically that it's just going to be her and Michael and, and Donna and Eric. Uh, but once she tells Michael, Michael thinks it's a 
party, not a dinner party, so he invites the rest of the gang, and then, you know, like, basically half of the high school, and it turns into, like, a full-blown house party. Uh, the episode is exactly what it sounds. Jackie's house almost burns down because of a, uh, because of an Eric mishap. And has one of my, again, probably top five favorite jokes in the entire series, which is Eric singing to Donna while Michael plays the piano. Someone plays the piano. No, it must be Fez. I think it's Fez. I think it's Fez. Someone's playing the piano. Eric's all drunk. He's singing singing to Donna. There's just so many good jokes to it to me. Like, I think it's just one of those, like, the host had one thing in mind and the complete opposite goes on. Uh, it's the first real, real time where I think Jackie realizes Michael's an idiot. Uh, it's a great episode. I love it. I, I could watch it over and over I need again. I my pants. Scooter got out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard you and Kelso on the rocks. You guys are really killing the makeup room, and he's just, like, all rattled. It's like, get the fuck out of my house, guy. Like, yeah, yeah it's a good one. All right, we're into the top three. Top three. Uh, number three, Dine and Dash. Nice. Uh, so the uh, the parents uh, are uh, B- uh, Bob uh, is upset that Red has not offered him a job at Price Mart. Yeah, I was about to bring yeah. up. I, I looked up the so, other plot line. Not bad. Pretty. We're good. having card night with the Pinciotis. Well, you can just call them back because there is no way that I'm having card night with the Pinciotis because it is just so much fun. Hello, Bob and Midge. Yeah. Yeah, Bob. Dine and Dash. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so tough to salt my salt mines. Red. Oh. When did you get a job at the salt mines? <laughs> oh, yeah. Classic uh, Midge. One of my favorite parts about it is that uh, Fez, at this point, has had one date with um, Caroline. Caroline. And she works at uh, the vineyard. And uh, he sends her a bottle of their finest beer. <laughs> you can't send beer to the hostess stand, all right? I almost got fired. You know, it's and great. like he's got the confidence with the gang of like the the smoothest talking guy, but as soon as she walks up, he's just butter, right? Just just can't speak. You see how I thought to her, <laughs> like a stallion. You know, he's yeah. just so confident. But uh, yeah, no, we talked about that one already. Uh, pretty much, uh, you nailed it all. Uh, okay. Just uh, hilarious. The 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 more the more time that goes on, the more kids that leave the table, it just gets funnier. Yeah. Uh, my number three is It's a Wonderful Life, Season 4, Episode 1. Uh, this yeah. is the episode in which uh, the first real episode where Eric and Donna are broke up. And uh, Wayne Knight, otherwise known as Newman from Seinfeld, plays a Eric's guardian angel and takes him through time to look at a different timeline in which, uh, you know, if they'd never dated, or like what the future's like now that they're not together. And basically, the shtick of the episode is that it's that 80s episode, because they flash forward to the 80s, which is kind of like the uh, the major sort of advertisement line of the, of the episode. Um, Fez is a... is singing at their high school reunion. He sings Wang Chung... And I ran so far away in other 80s hits. Um, Kelso's a car salesman or something like that. Uh, him and Jackie have broken up, but they get back together in the future. Um, hides in prison. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a really, really good episode. It's dark. Um, 
but it, it's it's good just because he's kind of sitting there sulking the whole time, and then you know Wayne Knight shows up and tells him to you know get out of bed. It's great. Yeah, that it is. Uh, number two for me is just past it here. Nice. Uh, season three, episode sixteen, Romantic Weekend. Um. Eric and Donna Ooh, decide is this the, yeah, go to get on. a hotel room. Turns out that Red and Kitty yes. has the room right next door. And what is, what is with the plot line? Because it happens so many times, I just realized. Like, how come Donna always gets drunk at the worst times? Like, yeah. she gets drunk all the time in this series, and it's always a bad thing. Yeah, first date. Because I thought about, I really liked the first date one, and that almost made the cut, but it, it wasn't a strong enough all-around episode, but... yeah. Hey, Hyde! Um, yeah, I, I can't remember why the Foremans are out getting a hotel room that night. Like, I can't remember why they're out of the house. It's kind of weird because, Again, like, it's supposed to be a romantic weekend for them, but I don't remember what the what the whole reason was. Yeah, I, I, like, his, uh, Eric's whole shtick is that he's, he's, he's tutoring with Kelso. Yeah. And, and Red's just not buying that. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they end up both at the same hotel. Um, and then Bob finds out that Eric's got his daughter in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. And at some point, the two foreman parties have switched rooms. So Bob ends up banging on the room with, with uh, uh, Red and Kitty in it. And is totally confused that, like, you know, he's got the wrong foreman, I guess, at the hotel. Well- and. What happens is, is Donna calls her parents because she gets sad. Oh, I'm yeah, sad. mommy, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, just uh, an episode where it had all the makings of like you know that classic teenage conundrum where like you want to have a a night alone with your sweetheart, and then they throw you the curveball of having the parents right there anyway. Oh, like yeah. you can't, you could have just stayed home. It's but. The parents are right there, right. no matter what you yeah, do. Yeah, no, it's it's it is a really good episode. The most expensive nut, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. That was your number two. Number two. I like where this is going. All right. I I, I think I'm seeing a a potential same episode for the number one here. No, sir. Uh, okay, my number two is season two, episode one, garage sale. Nice. As it came up on yours. Um, listen, I I think my favorite part. Maybe of the like one of my favorite parts of the whole series is when someone gets busted being high and they're sitting there in the kitchen and the room is spinning and everything's got like they're getting lectured by someone. And in the first season, the shtick is it's always Eric or one of his friends being high getting yelled at by Red and Kitty. And in this episode, as you alluded to earlier, because Red and Kitty have eaten the pot brownies, it is Red sitting there, high as a kite in the kitchen, being lectured by Hyde and Eric. And Eric, like, just what were you thinking? And, like, he's playing Red, getting really mad at him, whereas Hyde's being like, you should have told us, like, that you were going to sell the car. Like, being all nice to him. Again, the car's gone. Uh, they got to track down where they sold it. Uh... There are so many funny moments in that episode. Like, the the t- entire 22 minutes is just absolute gold. I love it. Um, what a bitch of Rooney Dooney. Red accidentally shoots off the fire extinguisher in the uh, in the girls' apartment building when they're trying to get the keys back to the car. 
He uh, pours whipped cream on his head and calls himself Whipped Cream Head. It's fantastic. It really is. It's a yeah. very good <laughs> kitty in the in the circle, all high. You know what I love? Fruit cake. Uh, okay, my number one. All right, you've already discussed it. Mm. Hyde's birthday. Wow. Yeah. What happened? That's my. Oh my episode. goodness. Yeah. I, I yeah I, I did know that actually. Yeah. I forgot about it. Yeah, just a little bit off uh, some of the things you didn't touch touch on uh, the the whole the whole storyline of them trying to steal the high sign for Hyde. <laughs> right, like, I forgot that was that episode. They have a van and they can't get this stupid sign down. At one point, they've tied a rope to the van, and uh, what what is it? You, I, I don't want to I don't want to dent the oh I don't want to dent the roof. They don't want Donna to get up on top of the roof of the van. I don't want to dent the roof, so they tie a rope to the bumper. Only have the bumper get blown off, and so Eric stupid. says, "Thank God the roof's okay." Um, yeah, it has probably my favorite joke of the entire series. Okay, yeah, let's in hear the this. Beginning, uh, the, the the show opens, and they find out that Eric has hit a cow with his car at some point. So later on, they're sneaking into the garage to steal a hacksaw, and Kelso gets caught. And Red says, "What are you doing?" And Kelso says, well, "I I I need to borrow a saw." And Red says, well, why? And, and Kelso says, well, I need to chop down a tree. Chop down a tree, may I add. Not not cut a tree down with a saw, chop it with a saw. And he says, why do you need to chop down a tree, Kelso? Because there's a, a rabbit stuck in a tree. And now Red's kind of cluing in that there's something a little off here. And he says, what's a rabbit doing in a tree? Well, your son threw it up there. Eric threw a rabbit in a tree? He's a sadistic bastard, Red. And I want to cut the tree down so I can return (laughs) the rabbit to the wild so it can lay its eggs. And it kills me every time. It's probably my favorite joke of the whole series. And it's just Kelso caught in the moment. Red catching, of all people, Kelso in the moment. And the two of them going back and forth where Red is so analytical and Kelso can't think on his feet. And it, it, the, the, the dynamic doesn't happen very often in the series with the two of them, but it's fantastic every time. That is true, yeah. Anytime Red sort of has more than, like, a one-sentence <laughs> exchange with one of Eric's friends that isn't Hyde, it's gold. Like, the episode when, like, he's buddies with Jackie now, and Jackie's, like, working on the car, and there they're are a lot to, of good moments. They're going to visit uh, colleges. You'll find an explanation from my parents pinned to my lapel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Please find $40 for Michael to go to attend to the college. Oh Where's the $40? <laughs> Why to buy snacks? <laughs> Such a classic Kelso thing. Like, oh my god. Um, my number one is uh, Reefer Madness. Wow. Season 3, episode 1. Um, to this point of the series, obviously, like, we alluded to in season two, like, Red gets high, and, like, they've been yelled at while they're high, but there's never been the crossover to this point of the parents being aware of and acknowledging the fact that the kids smoke drugs. And, uh, Hyde gets busted at the end of season two for, I guess, like, the group having pot, but it's mostly kind of just Jackie it's Jackie's pot. And uh, so Hyde takes the blame. So the foremans at the beginning of season three are now thinking about kicking Hyde out of the house. Because Hyde got busted for possession. And uh, 
Eric is not super thrilled with the idea of them kicking Hyde out of the house for something that all of his friends do anyway. So he's kind of grappling with the fact of how to get them to stop kicking Hyde out of the house. Um, This episode features a few other, you know, flashbacks like to when they're young. And there's other actors playing them as younger, younger kids. So Kelso's got the full head headgear braces on <laughs> my mom says i'm gonna be pretty or like i'm gonna be beautiful when i'm older he says or something like that uh, yeah so it's got all these different actors playing them when they're younger and they're like that's always a hilarious sort of thing flashing back to the first time they got high um but eric decides that the best way the best course of action is to acknowledge the fact that he also does drugs you can't kick me out too even when they have acknowledged the fact that they are not kicking Hideout anymore, uh, that is when Eric decides to barge in and doesn't know that that's happened and decides to take the fall for it. My favorite part about the episode is Red has this notion that if they start smoking drugs, it's going to lead to all these like mental problems and they're just going to like be degenerates of society. And um, he has this... this vision in his head of this like anti-pot video called reefer madness and it's displaying all the side effects and everything that can go wrong with having smoked pot and it is for me anyway probably my favorite minute and a half of the whole series because it's like kelso's lost his mind he's sitting in the chair just laughing like a fucking madman um like it's just it's brilliant like it's absolutely brilliant real movie yeah, well, exactly. It's yeah. their own version of it, right? Yeah, in the, yeah. yeah. I, I think my favorite, one of my favorite parts of that that episode too is um, before they've decided to allow Hyde to stay in, Leo is going to come and and oh plead on gosh. Hyde's behalf. And yes, and then later Red's I feel like ye- the Queen of England. <laughs> Red's yelling at Hyde and Eric, or no, yelling at Eric later. After Eric tells him that he does drugs too, and he's fucking screaming at him, eh? and he's like, "I had I had to have tea with that dirty hippie," or no, I think he's maybe just yeah. yelling at Hyde at that point. And then he delivers his classic line, my favorite red line of all time: "If you ever do something like that again, I will kick your ass so hard your nose will bleed." Yeah, it's my favorite red line. That's all you need to know. Yep, yep. So there you go. A uh, 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 a brief 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 discussion. Well, I mean, fuck. We could yeah. we could have done it. We could do a that seventy show podcast if it were still a thing. Um, it's it's a great great series, and I love it very much, and yeah. I do miss it. But it definitely deserved to die. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Seth Meyers, yeah. brother yeah. Josh. Um, amazing. I was watching a movie last night with, uh, Josh Myers in it, yeah. which is the first time I've seen Josh Myers in anything other than that 70s show and Mad TV. I, th- I think it was a different actor named, uh, Josh Myers. It was Josh Myers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was, saw it with my own eyes. That's really sad. Yeah. Okay, folks. So that's, uh, that's it. A bit of a longer top 10, but nonetheless, the return of the top 10. Uh, maybe we'll do another top ten next week. I guess we'll see. It's uh, it's getting interesting. It's getting to be a, a, a weird time of the year because there's less actual news, even though the playoffs are going on. There's not like much going on behind the scenes. Like I guess the Oilers are going to need to hire a GM and a coach eventually here, but we'll see where that goes. Like you know, there's some things going on, but you know, 
there might be less to talk about week to week. So yeah. we'll try to do some more top ten. We'll try to get in some non-hockey stuff. Um, maybe even some guests here in the next few weeks. We'll we'll see what happens here. Uh, the North Stars lost their first game of the Dudley Hewitt. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the laced up uh, the laced up bump works for everyone except for Cole. Uh, okay, yeah. So that's it, folks. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. You can uh, follow us on Apple Music. Well, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Clomper, Portugal Radio. Um, yeah. That's about it, I think. You got anything? No, I don't. You should um, maybe write something about the blues. Probably. It's getting to be that time, I guess. Yeah. We should set up some sort of deal with uh, Airedale so that they, they air the podcast just out of speakers in the wilderness. <laughs> I... I said fuck about 89 times in this episode, I'm going to guess. So maybe, like, I'm not going to bleep it out. We're going to find that different person to edit that. Because I'm not bleeping it. It's a whole other editing project. You're fishing, you're drinking, you're in your boat. But all I can hear is our voices. Oh, I thought you meant, like, at the lodge. Nah. Like, in the actual thing. I'm nah. like, well, there's going to be, like, families and shit nah. in there, too. So. Like, out in the wilderness. Just have a couple of oh, speakers. We would sound real good yeah. echoing off the trees on a lake. Exactly. You won't do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Do it. <laughs> do it. Starsky and Hutch, underrated movie. You know what we should do, uh, you know what we should do next week? I'm down for? Top ten Ben Stiller movies. You down? Did we do Vince Vaughn? No, we haven't. We gotta do Vince Vaughn. We gotta too. do that at some point. Yeah. Okay, we'll do Ben Stiller next week and then we'll do Vince Vaughn like maybe like later you know in the what month. No, we should do. We should do Ooh. we should do three weeks in a row. Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Owen Wilson. See how many same movies we Shit. get. True. That's like six movies. Okay, now, but we gotta have a stipulation here. How, do do they just appear in the movie? Like, because we're gonna do their top ten, like, their funniest performances, right? Maybe not the funniest movies. Sure. Their funniest performances, okay. So, does, like, Hal, Happy Gilmore count for Ben Stiller? Because, like, he only has, like, ten lines in Happy Gilmore, but my god, he might be my favorite part about Happy Gilmore. I, I say it's a candidate. It's a candidate? I think so. Okay, so just their top... Ten funniest roles. That's what we'll do. Yeah, I mean, as, top ten as funniest as, roles. As long as they have like more than like three words, I'd say like yeah, yeah. Because I don't need like Vince Vaughn from like nineteen ninety two City Slickers when he's just like you know starting out. And, like that's yeah, Vince Vaughn and Psycho is gonna make my list for oh, sure. Boy, yeah, he's a that's... good actor too, folks. He's not just funny; he's a good actor. Spoiler. See you next week. Well. About time for me to be hitting the old dusty trail. I like your hat.